Well, let's pray. God, I, in the spirit of thankfulness, I just thank you for laughter and even just soft-hearted um, matching that we can make, make jokes about God. I pray that, that, we, that we could smile and laugh more, that there be a greater freedom within our lives. God, I pray that you would set us free from these chains that hold us back from just enjoying the moment and being where we are. Break those chains today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would laugh more this week. Genuine, gut-wrenching laughs. Just peace and joy over our lives. I pray that we'd be able to discern what to take serious and where to be set free. Help us with our priorities this week. I ask that you give us ears to hear, hearts to, um, to receive God, feet that are willing to run, minds to comprehend your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You won't believe the conversations I had this week um, about Luke chapter 4 and um, temptation. Did any of you guys use the word this week to fight temptation? Any of you? I did. One of us. All right. Well, we're going to change the whole sermon today, and we're just going to have a come-to-Jesus moment. How many of you guys were challenged to use the word this week when facing temptation? Honestly, I don't need you to just raise your hand. It's good. The reality of it is, is um, I got a text from uh, a friend from Springfield last night, and he said, Joey, I want to go deeper. I feel like uh, I'm the, the deepest I've ever been, and I want to sustain it. What do I do? And I said, read the word. Get in the word. And he said, well, God often speaks to me through music. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is text messaging. It's like 11 o'clock when you're texting me. So you know what? What I'm not going to tell you is exactly what I need to say, but we need to get together this week and we can talk. Because what I wanted to say was this, is the only reason God's speaking to you through music is because you're not in his word. Like, so often what we end up doing is we, we hope for this great revelation through prayer or we hope uh, for this great transformation through just an aha moment or a Damascus Road experience. But we can actually just go to the word for it. If you want to hear from God, the clearest way for you to hear from God is to read his word. But what happens is we often think that our first thing for us to do is always just to think or to go to prayer first. Prayer is good, but the model in Luke chapter 4 was to go to the word first. There's something powerful about the word that brings life and allows us to escape situations that, that we're in. So when Jesus was tempted, he went to the word. When we are tempted, we should go to the word. So just a quick refresher of last week. Go to the word. Read the word. And um, yeah. That's where we're at. So I had a lot of conversations this week just with people. Hey, remember, just go to the Word. I don't think we're seeing fruit in defeating temptation because our only option that we're pursuing is just prayer. Prayer is good, but we also need the Word, the sword of the Spirit. Amen? Go to the Word this week. Go to the Word today. Go to the Word tomorrow if you wake up. So um, we're going to continue in the Jesus Is series, and today, Jesus is worth it, and we're not going to be able to fit it all into one message, so I have, um, we have two weeks of this, but Jesus is worth it, amen? We know it, we believe it, but um, today we're going to look at 1 Peter and social tension is on the rise with these first-generation Christians. Many people that are being reached are from Jewish backgrounds, and it's creating tension within the Greek culture and the Jewish families. And many times, a lot of us face tension um, when storms come 
that cause us to want to quit, right? Whenever there's a spiritual tension, fight or flight comes up. One of the largest parts of being a Christian is seeing yourself as a stranger in a foreign land. This isn't our home. We have a home. We have, we, we have a room being prepared for us in heaven right now. And um, I wonder if mine's going to have a little Nerf basketball hoop. I'm not sure, but um, we have rooms being prepared for us right now in heaven. So we are foreigners. Our goal um, is to be with Jesus for eternity. That's the goal, to be in paradise forever. If that's not your goal, let's have a conversation. Um, so if that's our goal, then what do we need to start doing? Making decisions about e with eternity in mind. Eternity is where we're headed, so every decision that we make should be based upon honoring God and us as eternal beings. We need to make decisions as if eternity matters. Each day, we can find ourselves in situations where we don't make um, decisions as if eternity matters. I can be minding my own business, listening to Air Love. K-Love, Air One, Air Love. We can be listening to K-Love, minding our business, praising the Lord, Medea, praising God, right? Driving to Urbana, driving to Springfield, driving to Columbus. In a moment, and then someone cuts in front of us. And immediately we went from the holiest person experiencing God to now making a decision that's not even based upon Him, right? Our decisions that we make each day need to be as if eternity matters. And to do that, we must develop a mindset, um, an eternal mindset, by allowing God's influence into our lives. Which will impact the way that we are willing to live for Him, but also impact um, how much we are willing to suffer for the gospel. So in 1 Peter, um, we're going to look at mainly chapter 2 today, but I just want to read you a verse... Um, Verse 1 and then uh, 23 real quick. 23 and 24. So, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass. And all the glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. This word, the word that endures forever, is the same word that is preached and taught to you and I. But what we learn in the scripture is that life passes pretty quickly. The rise and the fall. The life and then the death. The glory and then the humility. Our glory will fall, but the Lord, but God, and His Word is forever. It is paramount when we face storms, when you face pressure, when you face moments that you don't like in the world, to remember to have an eternal mindset. What's your mindset this morning? I have to say it. I know some of you guys might be thinking about uh, Chinese food. I hope that when I get to the Dragon Fet, that they have fresh, fresh um, General Tso's chicken. You know there's a difference from General Tso's chicken that's been sitting there for 20 minutes or that comes right out, right? What are you thinking about? What, what's your heart desiring? It is paramount that when we face these storms that we have this eternal mindset. So we all face similar pressures in this world, right? We have the world and its problems. And um, the Greek would say cosmos, I believe. And it's the world system. 
pressures we live for today, things that, that we follow, the world, right? The pressure to sin, the pressure to live ungodly. Any of you guys face that other than me? Right? The pressures of the world. And then, so we have one side, the pressures of the world and flesh, and then we have the other side, which is the word of God. God's perspective on how things matter. So the world is telling us one thing. The world's saying this. Hey, look, this is everything that you should be doing. Do this. This is what matters. This is how to live successful on this side. Cosmos. And then on the other side, you have God's perspective and the way that he thinks life should matter and the way that he says life matters. Often there's a very distinct, um, or there is, it's not often, there's always a very distinct line. And when we choose God's side, guess what? It hurts. And when we face storms, both sides always tell us what to do. One side would say, go find a rebound. Go find someone else who will make you happy. Or throw it back with a 40-ounce natty. Right? Or take these. It'll make everything better. But then God's perspective is, look, I, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. And you're like, but I don't feel it. And he says, just endure. Just hold on. Even though you don't see me, I'm with you. God's word tells us how to live. The world tells us how to live. Brings conflict within our heart. When I made a decision in high school to live for Christ full-heartedly, I lost a lot of friends. Even to this day, um, I won't get invited places because I'm religious. Praise God. But you know what? It still hurts. It doesn't feel good. What's wrong with me? Am I not normal? Am I not? You know I got swag. I mean, if Ron wears it and then I, I wear it, Ron's the epitome of swag. So you know I got swag because I'm dressing like Ron. What's wrong with me? Why am I so weird that I can't hang out with you guys? Why can't I get the phone call? So we had the, um, many of you guys are aware, I got inducted into the Mechanicsburg Hall of Fame for athletics. All my buddies that I go to high school with, some of my buddies are up there. We, we get introduced afterwards. Everyone goes out to dinner. Guess who didn't get the invite? Me. Do you know why? Because I'm choosing this side. I'm choosing God's perspective. I'm choosing to try to live God's way, not, not the world's way. And it hurts. It hurts when you make the right decision. It hurts when the bleep and bleep and bleep and bleep and bleep within my heart cuts me off and made me hit a little squirrel. Right? It hurts sometimes to carry God's perspective because my flesh wants to get even. I want to get even with these people. I want to get even and be mad and hold grudges. But God knows that us holding those things doesn't set us free. So he wants us to have his perspective so that we can have life and life more abundantly, so that we can have peace, so that we can have joy, so that we can be set free and walk in his true, um, true vision for our lives. See, we all say we want to have God's perspective on the way that we live, right? I, I don't think if, if, if I asked today, how many of you guys don't want to live for God? I don't think there'd be one of you that would raise your hand. We all want to live for God. We all try to live for God. 
We all have good intentions. But guess what? Good intentions don't mean anything. They mean a little bit. But it's about your actions. Actions make a difference. What you do is really what you love. If all you do is watch Netflix, you probably love Netflix. Can we do, let's take a step back here real quick. I love God with everything that I have. He, he's, he's my number one priority. And with all my free time, all my free time, I watch Netflix all day. But I didn't have time to read the word today. You see that disconnect in our heart? I love God, number one. He, he's way up here. He's supremely higher than everything. I didn't have time to read his word the past three months. But I did have time to be outside all day and ride my bicycle. But I love God way more than anything. But I haven't prayed to him in a week. We, our actions reveal to us what we value and what we love. Now, if we're living more on this side, the world side, it doesn't mean that God won't and cannot forgive you. Because he has forgiven you, but you need to accept that. But when he forgives you, if you truly meant it, you're always, I think, going to be taking steps more towards his side. Right? Ultimate glory will come on the other side. But I think we can always be coming this direction. As a generation and as people, we need to quit. Um, we need to give ourselves so, sober assessments. God, what am I really? Where is my heart really? See, in Matthew 10, verse 34, it says this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I read a book last week that talked about um, God wanted us to walk in perfect peace with everyone in our lives. And I'm like, well, wait a second. What does Matthew 10 say? I think God wants us to walk in community and fellowship. But he says this, do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Go figure. A man's enemy, enemies will be the members of his household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will find it. Pretty strong statement, isn't it? Wait a second. I thought God wanted me to love these people. And all these young people are like, see, Mom, I was justified last night when I yelled at you about this. I'm supposed to hate you. Not right context. So you better apologize. It's not too late to apologize. We have discussed this before in Luke, right? What I'm really saying is, what the scripture's really saying is, you need to have God in such a distinct place in your life that he's set apart from everything. I think he's addressing family because he knows how much we love family. He knows how we were created to love family, the bond, and to care for them. God, everything else. Everything else, God. God needs to be in a distinct place in your life. There's a cost to following Jesus and operating out of God's perspective. We must love God far above everything else. And the unique part is our relationship with Jesus is going to create tension. 
if we are going to full-heartedly follow Jesus, we will face tension in certain areas. With friends, you heard my story, right? With family, with coworkers, with churchgoers, or even drivers. You're going to face tension. And you know what? To be honest, I face it sometimes with that Chipotle line. When I pay $1.75 extra for guacamole, I better get the full $1.75 worth of guacamole. I don't want the 50 cent version. I didn't ask for the half. There's tension. <laughs> That's right. We will even face tension within ourselves. I think that's where most of the tension we face. It's always within ourselves. I think rarely the problem is with another person or another thing or the way circumstances have come. I think most of the tension comes within how we respond to the world. There's the famous quote out there. I don't know if it's 90% or 99%, but 90% of life is what happens to, or sorry, life is... 10% of what happens to you, 90% of how you respond to it. Most of the time, the problem's not the other person. The problem's just with how you're going to deal with that situation. And this is the tension that Peter's audience is facing. Households are being divided. Husband and wives are facing tension. Parents and children are facing tension. Neighbors and friends. As Christ is being introduced, tension is rising. Why don't you go preach Jesus every day at work? Why aren't you walking up the streets in Mechanicsburg, in West Liberty, in Belfountain, in Springfield, in Plain City, in Urbana? Why aren't you doing that? Because there's tension when you do it. If you got five bucks every house you went to, y'all better believe I'd be a multimillionaire. But guess what? The tension is what I run from. Is Christ worth the tension? Is Christ worth the tension in your workplace? Is he worth it within the church? Is he worth risking the harmony in these key relationships? <laughs> With friends, coworkers, significant others. When we face temp, uh, tension, it can often lead to suffering. When we face suffering, our values come to the top. Remember I said a few weeks ago, um, Leadership and storms don't make you something different. They only reveal who you are. Likewise, um, tension reveals who you are. Is following Christ worth the time, the energy, the discipline? This one gets challenging right here. The ongoing labor in other people's lives Is Christ worth the sacrifice of things that you could have? Success, money, popularity. Is Christ worth the rejection? Is it worth it to suffer for our faith? Now, does this mean that your life is gonna be miserable? No. This is why this is a part one. Your life is not going to be um, miserable, but there is a what, what we hear of a secret of contentment. So, so there's also the secret that God wants to reveal to us as as, as we walk out life. That then means contentment. I'm going to be okay as as I walk through this life. But there's a secret to it, which meaning God has to reveal the secret to you as we walk out this life. So, are you going to be miserable always? No. Am I miserable because I didn't get invited? to um, 
Frisch's after the Hall of Fame? No, because Frisch's sucks. <laughs> Breach. You know what? If it was Chipotle, I would have been upset because I'll take free Chipotle whenever. My hope isn't in this world. My hope is in Jesus. So when tension arises, when, when times get tough, when I go through storms, my hope isn't in just me getting through the storm. Because if my hope is just me getting through the storm, then guess where, guess where my hope is? In this earth. My hope in my, my knowing is that I'm God's son whom he loves, who he has the best intentions for, and that one day I'm going to be in paradise for him, and this life is nothing but a blot on a page. That for all of eternity I get to be set free. This tension is worth it. And you know what? The tension is worth it for other souls to be saved. I went through a book called The Autopsy of Dying Churches. And um, one of the things that this book said is dying churches start to focus all their resources, and we're actually gonna talk about this in a couple weeks, but they, God bless you, they focus all, all of their resources on themselves. And that was a sign of these 14 dying churches that they were not out into their communities, that all their resources was about, um, was never about missions or local outreach. It was all about themselves. Is it worth it for us as carriers of the kingdom to go into our communities and make a difference? It's worth it because if not us, then who? If we're not going to our community, who is? If we're not speaking to our um, employees at work, our coworkers, then who is? They might not like you. You might not get invited to Frisch's after a hard night of work. But you speaking truth to them could one day allow them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and them escape the punishment of hell. It's worth it for us to preach good news to our coworkers so that they can be set free at all costs. God is the one who gives and takes away, right? Hypothetically, you get fired in Jesus' name. Then hypothetically, who's gonna provide for you? God will. And you know what? If you have to suffer a little while, guess who's right there holding you? God is. What really matters in your life? What is most important? I hope at this point of the sermon, you're starting to realize that Jesus should be most important, that he should be far above everything else. It's not just about good intentions. And I believe here at the church, we have a lot of good intentions. And I know here at the church, we have a lot of good um, acts of obedience as well. But let's stir it up some more. What's too much you can do for God? I think the line of too much is when you try to earn it. But I think out of obedience, there's never enough that we can do. So, back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, Jesus is the living stone, rejected by us. We've rejected him. Chosen by God, making Jesus and his sacrifice precious to God. Jesus is a precious sacrifice to God. The most important thing we need to value in life 
is our perspective of who Jesus is and what he did. Period. Not your perspective of Ohio State or Michigan or... um, Because we already know there's one perspective. Not your perspective of who's better, Honda or Toyota. What really matters is your perspective of who Jesus is and how you allow that to change your life. Every day we should live from our core perspectives. And I think actually every day you do live from your core perspective. Nevertheless, because how we live actually affects everything else, right? How we see Jesus affects everything. So, was Jesus just a decent teacher? Is that the way we see him? Is Jesus just one way to heaven? Was Jesus Jesus the first Mother Teresa? Is Jesus God? Is Jesus set apart? Is Jesus the only begotten Son who died on the cross for our sins? Is Jesus just a good story? Your perspective of Jesus changes the way you interact each day with the world. And here's what we know. Since Jesus is the only way to heaven, our actions should live up to that. This can be found by how we live, how, our, um, how we live our lives, not by just the things that we say. Macy, I love you, but I just ignore her my whole life. Oh, but Macy, I really love you, and I just ignore her, never give her any time. What's the first thing you think about each day? If you wake up, what's the first thing you think about? There's a good chance what's on Facebook, what's on Twitter, what's the weather like. The first thing could be what's for breakfast or I'm late. I wonder if we started to make a declaration each morning when we woke up and we just identified with Jesus and said, Jesus, you are precious. And you are precious to me. We set the tone for our day that way. It's easy to give a verbal agreement to Jesus being precious, isn't it? It's another thing to live it out. It is paramount to find in your heart, find it in your heart to consider Jesus as precious with more than just words and thoughts. I know without a doubt that my parents um, proudly identify with my siblings and I, without a doubt. They do. Why? Well, because we're really precious. But um, why? Because their actions line up with it. It's not just because they tell us, but their actions line up with it. Simply thinking Jesus is precious is good, but it's important to allow your obedience to him to show itself. Action, obedience, surrender. And what we're learning here is Jesus is precious to God. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And kind of the example that God's setting here is Jesus is precious. So if God's saying Jesus is precious, what should Jesus be to me? Precious. God, help us identify with you as precious. Help us love you in such a way that you're precious. Verse five. You also, like living stones, 
are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So who are living stones? We also are living stones. Now, what are these living stones? Building material for a, for a house, for a temple, for a spiritual house. So what is God trying to build in us, right? A spiritual house. A place for his spirit to dwell. We should be seeing that God desires to be close to us. Even as he pursued us in the garden. He wants us to have access to him. God is not a far God that never listens to us. He desires to be close to us all of the time. God is in our midst this morning. God is in our midst when we're on Route 4, 29, 559, 161, Rosedale Road going 75. You know how that goes. (laughs) That's right. Speaking of that, I passed a uh, state highway patrol the other day. I said, uh, Macy, text John for me real quick. It's like, hey, was that you? Are you on 70? He said, no. I was like, good. I was driving too fast for anyone to see me anyways. <clears throat> I was going 73. So I, w- I was still good. Um, nevertheless. Um, God desires us to have access to him all the time. He desires for us to be close. See, in the Old Testament, part of some of the belief was that, um, and even today, there's still a conditioning within our hearts that believe today that God is limited to a building. I need to go pray at the church. I need to go worship at the church. And I don't mind those things. I think it's fine. Maybe there's a residue from a Sunday morning. I don't know. (laughs) But we can't limit God to just a building. We can't do that anymore. Many people believe that they have to go to church on Sunday to encounter the presence of God. Or even they have to go to a, a conference or a certain night of worship. That's a belief. In the Old Testament, a temple was one spot. You had to go into the temple to experience God. Your access was limited. Certain people could go to certain places of the temple. Jews could get into the temple. Uh, Priests could go further than Jews. And the high priest could go into certain places once a year. But symbolically had to cleanse themselves. Um, They had to bring blood and walk behind curtains as a representation of um, sin not being able to be in the presence of God. It was a symbol of intimacy and separation at the same time. So when Peter refers to us as a living stone, this is a symbol being fulfilled because of what Jesus completed on the cross. This is where our hope comes. This is why we can endure suffering and challenging moments. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in a building today. He now lives with those who have professed Lord Jesus Christ over their life. We are a new creation with the presence of God living inside of us. Full access has been given to us. We have full access to him all of the time. Each of us, a living stone, a living temple, a living carrier of the kingdom. 
each individual of a part of something more. We are mobile. Instead of mobile homes, we are mobile carriers of the kingdom, mobile temples. Set out to disrupt the world. You know why? Remember, look. Cosmos. They're in their way. Life's good. Doing everything they need to do. God's way. As carriers of the kingdom who possess um, God within them, guess what we're supposed to do? Disrupt this. Wake up! Wake up! You need Jesus, right? Wake up! Wake up! Disrupt it. Not to let it remain how it is. We are sent out as carriers of the kingdom to disrupt this mess. Wherever we go. We're called to change the world. We have the Spirit of God living in us. Amen? That's something to be thankful about. God, I thank you that your Spirit lives within me. Thank you. So we have two basic principles um, from the New Testament of why Jesus is worth it. Just two, and we're going to finish uh, this part of why Jesus being worth it next week. But um, as believers, point number one is this. As believers, we can bring the power and love of God to those who do not know him. So Matthew um, 5, verses 14 through 16. I want to read to you. um, This is out of the Passion Translation Version. So... um, it just, it just says it a little bit differently. Many of you guys are familiar with this scripture, so that's why I wanted to go with a different version. So, your lives, your lives, sorry, light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly for others so that the uh, commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Your carriers of the kingdom. You have this light. And since you have this light, why are you going to light a candle and put it in a closet? Well, there's one reason. You, you've been hiding some bad stuff in that closet. You try to get a smell out. That's one reason. You're over here on the cosmos. We need you to come this way, right? You don't light a candle. You don't, why do you turn on a light if it's not going to be bright? As carriers of the kingdom, you are bright. You are you are, you are in a place that can bring change. And what do, we, what do we know about light and darkness? They don't exist together. Therefore, when we accepted Jesus, there's this positioning that we're willing to own that light. Wherever we go, we can't change it. As believers, we can bring that light, bring power in the love of God to those who do not know him. And that's exciting. Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't run from it. Use that light. As believers, um, I've heard it said as we're thermostats, right? We actually change the temperature. We're not um, thermometers, but we change the temperature in a room because of the presence of God within us change atmospheres when you're there. Someone could be having a bad day at work and guess what you could say? 
I can relate to you there, but how can I pray for you? Or don't even ask for prayer. Billy, I'm going to be praying for you. Sharon, change the atmosphere. Because that light is with you wherever you go. Something you can't change. Unless you didn't really give your life to Christ. And number two, together as a body, as a larger part of the body, we can achieve more. I need you guys. You guys need each other. And guess what? You guys need me, whether you like it or not. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We're better together period. Matthew 18, 20 says this, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. Now we're in reference to prayer here. But when the body's fully functioning together, we're better, right? If we can quit wrestling with each other and quarreling with one another, we can really make an impact with the light that God's given us. We need to function fully as the body. The more we are willing to walk in unity, the greater God can move through us. So it's not, God, how do we fix the lack of unity? It's just, God, how do we move forward in unity? I think one of the best ways to walk better in unity is, uh, I don't remember where I learned this, but someone once told me, they said, in every situation, the best thing to do is to initially assume the best. Assume the best about that person. Now, if one plus one equals two and something illegal or immoral took place, then I don't know how you assume the best. You just say, hey, we, we had to make the appropriate phone calls. But assuming the best allows us to walk in greater unity, right? The more we can do that, the greater impact we can make. Church could be flooded with unbelievers. You guys know that Snoop Dogg made a CD, a Christian CD. Can you believe that? For shizzle. For shizzle. I'm not even going to try to go there. Snoop Dogg, Mr. 420 himself. <laughs> made a gospel CD. Can you believe that? Now, look, I remember talking with Ron about this several weeks ago when I saw it. And I'm like, man, what do you think about this? And my heart was so like wanting to be critical and mad, like, how can you? Like, how can you be releasing this hip-hop CD, gospel CD, and then celebrating your favorite holiday, 420, after that? There were so many conflicting emotions. And then I heard him come out a week and a half ago. Snoop Dogg said this. <laughs> when you quote Snoop Dogg in church, Pray for me. I need you. He said this. I was so surprised by the way that the church treated me when I released my CD. He said, I thought the church was supposed to be a welcoming place to unbelievers and to people trying to discover who God was. And he said, my reception to the church was not very welcoming. I hear that sign. Are we, are we able to grow as a church with unbelievers? Or are we gonna be critical on those unbelievers who come in here and don't look like us? Or what about the rascals who have ran Mechanicsburg and ran West Liberty and ran Springfield and, and ran Marysville and, and, and ran Urbana? Those rascals that we've seen our whole lives when they come into our church, are we gonna judge them? If Snoop Dogg was to walk in the church today, how would we feel? Because I think, I'll say this about my own heart. 
Sometimes I feel like a Pharisee if, if Snoop Dogg would come in here. Because I would say to myself, what are you doing here? But if I would assume the best to create unity, I would say, praise God that God's pulling Snoop Dogg in here. If we want this place to grow, if we want to see <clears throat> greater fruit within this community, we need to make sure that our hearts are willing to welcome in the unbelievers. Because if not, it just becomes about us encouraging one another each week. I remember in Piqua, I was serving at the homeless shelter. And there was um, a family that came in after we had all the, we'd been there for two hours. A family came in, we were getting ready to pick up one table, clean up and then leave. I said, do you have anything? Do you have anything left? I said, yep, we're going to get it out of the refrigerator, we're going to warm it up, and we're going to um, serve you right now. So the girl's name was Kaylin. Kaylin sat down, and I sat down next to them, and God gave me some, some words of knowledge um, just about some things that were going on in her life. And I started to share these with her, and her mom was like, okay, how do you know this? And I said, God loves you so much. He just wants you to know that, that uh, he sees you, that he cares for you, and that he really wants a personal relationship with you. And then it was like God shared one more thing. And then she finally looked at me and she said, are you a psychic? I said, honey, let me share with you. Jesus loves you so much. He just wants you to know that he wants a personal relationship with you. No weird powers, no nothing, just Jesus. The blood of Jesus over your life. Kaylin, her daughter, ended up coming to youth group the following Wednesday. I'm preaching to the kids. She's sitting in the front row. And while I'm preaching, this unchurched girl who was at the homeless shelter eating food stood up and she, while I'm preaching, you think church etiquette, right? Like you guys are sitting in your chairs. Thank you. Thank you for no tambourines during the sermon. Kaylin stood up in the front row. She said, hey, Joey. And mind you this, Kaylin had her vape that she was smoking as she was walking into church. Vaping's better than smoking. Whatever. We're not even going to go there. Kaylin's smoking her vape right before, puts it in her pocket. Now, of course, we had a conversation, but it wasn't about how God hates her. It was about the, the health consequences of smoking and how you're not even 18, so what are you doing? She stands up, raw as all get out. Hey, Joey! Dang, girl, you are rough. You, you gonna beat me up or what? I ain't got nothing. Here it is. You know this Bible you gave me? I've been trying to read it. I don't understand it. Will you help me? Kaylin, a girl I met four days before that, was more interested in Christ than the same very church people that I was hanging out with for three years. She was raw. You know what I want in here? I want that we are such carriers of the kingdom that wherever we are, we're making an impact, that the Caitlins are coming up here and interrupting me during the sermon, and they're saying, hey, Joey, what does John 3.16 really mean? Hey, Joey, will you pray for me right now? And we see such a sincerity in Caitlin's heart or an insert name's heart that the church has passion that we stand up and we just say, stop everything. Right now, stop. This section, come over here. This section, let's go. We're praying right now for Kaylin. And we're praying that God's going to release his abundance of love in her life. That he's going to pour over her, that, that the word's going to come to life. 
that he will set her free from every generational curse. But our actions, the light that we carry, we have to be willing. It's worth it. Kaylin's soul that was saved was worth it. Has Kaylin made every right decision since then? No. Have you? No. But if, if we want to start making an extreme impact in our community, even in our family's lives, we need to start to be willing to walk in unity, walk with one another, and live as the light into the world. Amen? I want Caitlin's. Look, I like you guys a lot. I do. I know I've said, you need me, but I don't think you need me either. I think this church is in such a good position that I think without me, without Lyndon, without Mark, without small group leaders, I still think that you guys would be chasing after God. We need people in here that need the body, that need it, that need it, that they're just like, I don't even know. They go to the uh, book of hesitations because they don't know anything about the Bible. You know how refreshing it was that night that stirred me up. It stirred me up to know that there was an unbeliever in the house who met Christ. Let's go after that. Do you guys want that? Let's go after it. Let's go find it. Let's go get it. And guess what? When the storms come, what did the pastor say? When the storms come, don't run from them. Don't run away from them. Don't try to go around them. But what are we going to do? Go through them because who's worth it? Jesus. Jesus is worth it. And souls saved are worth it. So I dare you to take a risk this week. I get nervous every time. It scares me. You know why? Because when you bring up Jesus, there's tension. It really scares me. I'm not over it yet. But I'm willing, as Stu brought up, I believe last week, I'm willing to identify with him. I'm going to. So if that's you today, and if you want to make a difference, if you want to see souls saved, people set free, you want to see the unbelieving raw Christians in here, which I believe is biblically based, then I want to pray. But I'm going to ask as a, as, as a profession of God, I want that. I'm just going to ask that you guys would stand up with me as I pray. So you guys can do that now. God, thank you so much for creating a house within us, a resting place. God, thank you so much for living within us, for giving us, um, making us light unto the world. God, I pray that as we face tension and problems and frustrations and doubts and rejection, that our goal would be you set apart from everything else, which makes it worth it. Give us strength this week. Give us peace this week. God, I pray that you would give us fire this week for your kingdom. Renew our zeal. Identify to us people we need to reach out to. I pray, God, that everyone within our circles would be saved. I pray that all of Mechanicsburg would be saved, all of Urbana would be saved, all of Triad uh, school districts would be saved, and Graham, and West Liberty, and Buff Fountain, and Springfield, and Clark County. God, I pray for, for all of Miami Valley. Souls would be saved. I pray that you would send us all, that you would be worth it for us. 
Give us a desire for your word this week. God, create something new here. In Jesus' name, help us, God. Amen.